This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today I've got the honor to introduce and uh, interview, I should say, Chris Zimmerman from the St. Louis Blues, the Enterprise Center, our friends over at Stiefel uh, for the auditorium here. Uh, just really excited to get to talk to you today and uh, interview you and find out what's made you the man you are today. So, uh, welcome. Well, thanks. Happy yeah. to be here as uh, March Madness starts. March Madness and, starts. And uh, as I told you, my alma mater um, is teeing off, uh, teeing off, uh, tipping, tipping off uh, against Florida State, University right. of Vermont. So. Upset Thursday. I like it. I'm yep. sure you got them winning the uh, winning your deal. I took them a couple <laughs> of rounds, right. uh, you know, into yeah. the Sweet 16. Right, so go. that's good. Yeah. All right. Well, let's. Uh, maybe the people that don't know who Chris Zimmerman is. What uh, I know, it's a big question here. But what's made you the man you are today? I mean, you go back as far as you want to go. Obviously, you've climbed the ranks of some successful companies, which we'll get into. But what's what's made you the man you are today? Well, it's interesting. You know, I, I never necessarily um, expected to work in the sports business, um, but I but I did grow up um, like many as an athlete. Um, high school, I played um, football, hockey, and lacrosse, um, and my main uh, passion was hockey, and, and I aspired to get to play college hockey. Yeah. And um, and so when you ask me about what you know sort of is is key to who I am today I think my involvement in sports and probably importantly my 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 engagement in the in the concept of team I think it, it is certainly one of the the most critical things um, that has driven um, you know the way I've approached um, certainly my professional career um, I think as well as, as my family life uh, as well. And so, you know, the, those, the fundamentals of how you come together and work with others is, is maybe the most important thing. And I'm sure like, like me, like you, you probably, when you're even interviewing people and hiring people and you build your team out, sports is a big, big process for that, right? I mean, because you do learn about leadership and, and discipline and, and, and disappointment, right? Oh yeah, and I think another important one is humility. Um, you know, as as a young athlete, you're working to to excel and and to reach as far as you can, and then you know, short of that very small a uh, couple of percent, one percent, yep. half of one percent that's going to actually make their living playing the sport. We all, most of us, hit hit the ceiling. Right. This is as far as, as my talent is going to take me, and um, you know, at each level, uh, youth. I'm a certain level uh, of the lead on the team. Yeah. Maybe high school. By the time I got to college, I knew I was a role player, yeah. and and I was thrilled to have that opportunity. Um, but. You know, the, the concept of how you understand your role um, and how um, certainly in what we do here and what I've done throughout my professional career, 
you know, so much of it is is about the ability to come together. And, you know, I often say, you know, that business in general, most of them are team sports. That's right. So we're going to talk about business. We're going to talk about blues, of course, and, and the sky or the, the sky trade, the Enterprise Center. Uh, you probably never hear that mess up. Do you? Well, I, I understand. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, we're going to talk about that. But I want to talk really first and, and foremost about something that's near and dear to both of our hearts is the St. Louis community. Talk about that. Well, I'm 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 now in my fifth season um, in St. Louis. You li- when you're in sports, you kind of can define years sure. by seasons. Um, and um, you know, I came to St. Louis. I, I'd really um, this is the second uh, professional sports team that I've had a chance to lead. The other one was in Vancouver, and um, and if and the Vancouver Canucks of the National Hockey League. Very different situation, very different markets. Um, in in Canada, hockey is everything. Right. Uh, it, it's uh, in some ways, I guess, um, you know, culturally, it's a, as deep as the Super Bowl would be here yeah. or the World Cup in Brazil. Um, and so the marketplace sort of defines itself by hockey. Um, it's uh, quite honestly, it's a growing um, international city. Um, many elements of that experience were very, very different. I came to St. Louis in uh, 2014. Actually, as a community, one of the challenges we had virtually right after I got here uh, was uh, was the world really looked in on St. Louis through Ferguson, yeah. and that was in August of 2014. So wow. I'd only been here a couple of months, yeah. and, and and I was seeing you know certainly one of our historical challenges. Um, as I've now been here five years, I've recognized that this is a city that. It, does need people to lean in and lean in and and truly commit to making a difference and finding ways to make us better. We, as as a city, um, as a region, we compete um, with other markets and uh, on so many levels for attracting the best talent, um, for building better universities, for our things that we're very strong in, healthcare, biosciences, um, but we also have challenges. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think our sports teams uh, and our, pro, you know, pro, our, our major sports teams, our professional sports teams have this unique opportunity in that I think sports and music are two of the most global languages that really unite people. And um, I'm lucky enough, quite honestly, to to be around both in the with the blues as well as all of the entertainment and the concerts and the and the world famous performers we bring here. And um, I see St. Louis as this place that needs every energy point leaning in, moving forward and trying to really distinguish ourselves. And um, 
So that's a lot of the work that we've we've really embraced and that I've personally embraced during my time here. Yeah, very important work, and I think I love your leaning in because it is. People just got to get involved. So if, if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking, okay, I hear that, I've been hearing that more often, whether it's on the news or TV or boards they sit on. I know you and I are fortunate enough to sit on the St. Louis Sports Commission board, and they're doing great work in, in this region, really. And I don't understand. I don't think really people understand the financial impact that this place right here that we're sitting in makes on the greater St. Louis area, right? Whether you're in Illinois yeah. or West County or North County or South County, it's bringing a massive amount of money that makes this city better. Yeah, so obviously um, uh, a, a building like this, um, and quite honestly, we manage two buildings, as you mentioned, the Stiefel Theater, which um, our uh, ownership group helped uh, bring back after being dormant for 20 it's years. It's a, it's a fantastic um, performing arts center. And, um, and but, so between the two buildings, the Enterprise Center and the Stiefel Theater, we've got over 200 nights a year that we're bringing um, people to downtown St. Louis. And we're bringing them for world-class uh, sports and entertainment. Um, many um, of our events are attracting people from throughout the Midwest and in some cases throughout the country. Yep. Um, on the sports side um, are the um, what I like to call sort of the discretionary events. So non-blues sports events that we hold here are real drivers for economic activity. They're drivers for, for tourism. They're drivers for visitors coming here, staying in hotels, right. going to restaurants, going to bars, going to our attractions. And so our ability to keep making that stronger and bring world-class events, whether it was Belle Reve Country Club bringing yeah. uh, the PGA Championship, um, whether it's our annual holding of the Missouri Valley Conference um, Championship, many years NCAA sports. Um, we are now um, in the final stages of a bid to host the U.S. Um, men's and women's Olympic gymnastic trials in 2020. Um, all of these events are sources of energy yeah. and reasons for people to, yes, come down to downtown St. Louis, but really they're regional events and, and they do have an impact throughout. Yeah. So talk to us about, you, you had the, obviously the hockey game that was at Bush Stadium. That was phenomenal. I was there. What a great experience. But next year you've got the NHL uh, All-Star game coming to town. So talk to us about that. What's that process like? How do you, how do you win that? Uh, how, does, how does that happen? Yeah, so um, uh, you mentioned the Winter Classic, which was um, at Bush Stadium uh, uh, January of 2017, so not very mm -hmm. long ago. Fantastic event. The league really, uh, and many of the people who came acknowledged it as, in terms of the experience, the way St. Louis hosted the event, um, the work that the Blues did, all of those things created um, tremendous goodwill. Um, I, I will tell you, as I walked around uh, um, the facility, um, both for the alumni game, which was held uh, on that Saturday, and then uh, the the actual Winter Classic, where we took on the Hawks and beat them That's four right. to one. Um, <laughs> Important. I I think I had a sense. Um, the word I'll use uh, among all of the people who had come to these events of, of real joy. Uh, that there was such, because it's such a unique 
um, thing to participate in. And um, that was really re rewarding. And um, uh, we're quite proud of, of how uh, our community responded. Absolutely. The, um, the All-Star Game, um, so the last time it was in St. Louis was 1988 back in the arena. Wow. So it's never been held in the current uh, now Enterprise Center. And uh, the process was really connected to the work that we did first with the city around um, the city participating and helping us make the building competitive again by helping support uh, uh, the financing yeah. of some of the renovations. Um, to date, we've um, invested between um, private ownership, the bonds that the city issued. We, we've um, invested almost $100 million in the building. It's a, it's a big number. It's also very common in the buildings that opened in the mid-90s, yeah. and, and there are quite a few of them, um, from Boston to Chicago, Philadelphia, Atlanta, all, all were opened up in the 90s, typically um, to renovate, modernize, make them competitive for the next 25 to 30 years. It's about, typically people are spending $150 million to up to $250 million. Yeah. Yeah. So um, a new building uh, probably going to cost minimum right. five to six hundred million and there been, there are a couple of arenas um detroit was close to 900 million wow. and then the um, renovation of the old key arena in seattle will be similar um, costs so um, the good news is that we're already um, attracting events the nhl all-star game would not be coming to st right. louis without this investment um, our competition for Olympic uh, gymnastic trials, figure skating, um, all of those things, we had gotten to the point where we would be no longer relevant. Right. And um, so... Um, Which is a big deal for the city. Again, people... I huge think deal. You hear the, stuff on these, the media. Uh, these events typically bring in the range of $20 million worth of economic activity yeah. um, for the All-Star Game, for... Um, an Olympic trials. Which helps with our roads, which helps with the police officers, which, I mean, it helps everything. It does. And, and quite honestly, it gives people a reason to want to come and live here. One of the big challenges we have in the workforce right now is companies are having a hard time because we have such low un unemployment attracting the best people. The other thing you have is I know lots of very proud St. Louis parents who their kid, they're losing their kids to yeah. Dallas, to Denver, obviously Chicago. Yep. We want to win. We want the city that has such a strong family focus where people believe so much in our market. We need to be good enough that our kids want to be here. This is Brett Gilliland with Circuit of Success. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Circuit of Success. I'm Brett Gilliland, your host. Let's dive back into this week's guest. So let's dive into the business side now. And, and I'd always like to lay the groundwork with people is, is how, how does Chris Zimmerman define success? What's that look like? And it doesn't have to be business side, but let's kind of move more into that role. Well, I think um, ideally, I think it's making a difference in people's lives yeah. is, is the most important thing to me. Yeah. 
Um, that starts obviously at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an amazing uh, partner, uh, who my wife Emily, who has supported uh, me essentially becoming a gypsy professionally. <laughs> um, you know, we we met first in New York. Uh, my wife was a successful uh, advertising sales professional. Um, we got the chance to move our family uh, to Portland, Oregon to go to work for Nike. So we moved from New York to Portland. Then Small I got, commute. Then I got the opportunity to run uh, Nike Bauer Hockey, which was based in New Hampshire. So we went from wow. Portland, Oregon to New Hampshire after that. I got my next exciting opportunity and our exciting opportunity. We took our family to uh, Canada, so we went to Vancouver. So we we really don't know much about (laughs) short moves, uh, and um, we bounced around. And then uh, before coming to St. Louis, we were in Los Angeles. So um, we've had quite a journey and amazing opportunities, but uh, my wife, Emily, who's without question the chief operating officer of our family, um, has has made that possible. Um, my daughter Kate uh, is is here in St. Louis and uh, building a career and and, and also integrating in, into St. Louis. And uh, I have a son uh, Ted who's up in Seattle, actually working for the Seattle Seahawks. So, oh, nice. um, so, but the whole concept of success. Um, you know, for me, is is part of building things, and ideally, you know, helping in my small way, making a difference in, in both peoples and communities. Yeah. You know, leave it leave it better than when you found it, right? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Nike, I didn't realize that I told you before we started recording. So I'm a big golfer. So you uh, Nike and Nike Golf, mm-hmm. and you were very instrumental with the PGA, with Tiger Woods, and and bringing uh, Nike Golf to where it was at the time, uh, one of the biggest and best golf brands there was. And so, what'd you learn from that process? I mean, working for a brand like Nike, obviously there's not a lot of sales to that. I wouldn't think because it's it's Nike, right? But I'm sure you learned a ton from that. What, what was that? Well, um, actually, when I joined Nike Golf um, in uh, 2000, so Tiger had been signed in 96, and, and I got to work with him the first several years. He was a Nike athlete uh, in my role as director of advertising. Um, but when I moved over to Nike Golf, it was um, Nike was failing in right. golf. And... Um, so, unlike what you might think, Nike's got plenty of examples of things that they have not didn't work immediately done well. And so, when I moved into Nike Golf, we were in a whole um, position of trying to um, really reposition and relaunch the business. And, and the biggest thing there, which I think is relevant and interesting, um, is that Nike was trying to be this sort of counterculture, young, irreverent golf brand, which until you get accepted by the core in golf, it's very, very hard to be taken seriously. And so we changed the whole look 
of the brand. Um, We recognized that although the majority of Nike's business was very young, you know, sort of, let's call it 18 to 30 is the bulk of the universe. Well, that's not where the bulk of the golf universe (laughs) is. And so, so we had to, we had to recognize that we needed to, um, if you will, we needed to be accepted. We needed to become relevant. We needed to understand that market's needs versus, if you will, coming at it a, a little bit as a brand from the arrogance of, well, we're Nike. Right. And, and, and I think that, you know, for me, I, I started my career um, in advertising. I consider myself you know, at my core, everybody starts with some skill set. Sure. I'm a marketer, I think, first and foremost. And all that means is it's all about relationships. And brands are about relationships. Sports teams are about relationships. You know, how you, how, how you, how you work with people, how you respect people, um, that fundamental philosophy um, is, is really core to the work I've done yeah. pretty much throughout. And it had to be pretty neat, I would assume, watching something go from struggling to, as you said, you're a builder, right, is to build something to where, again, it was at that then time. I mean, I, I remember being a golfer. It was a Nike shirt, Nike yeah. shorts, right, your Nike shoes. I mean, that had to be phenomenal. I mean, what a run. Yeah, no, it, well, it was fun. Listen, yeah. Nike was, is a great company. Um, I, I loved it. Um, fantastic resources. People really committed to the athlete, yeah. um, a, a company that really understands at its core um, who it is. Right. Um, I um, massive respect for Phil Knight. How uh, much interaction did you have with him? So um, uh, a little bit, um, mostly, particularly um, in my role um, as director of advertising. So. Uh, you know, when we were doing major yeah. work around our big athletes, he'd want to see it. I would present to the to the board at times. Um, so I got some nice exposure. Right. I mean, it was not regular, but right. it, but yeah. it, but it, uh, I certainly got a little window into Phil Knight. Uh, I'm sure many of your listeners ha- have read Sh- Shoe Dog, um, and, and the the one word. Um, that I think of when I think of Phil Knight is courage hmm. and, and being courageous. And, um, and I think that's a really powerful word powerful. in business. Um, and, and it's, but it was a courage that was driven by, by real belief in, in certain values. Yeah. And um, I think that that's part of um, part of the secret to, to the success of Nike. So when so let's talk about that word for a little bit. So when you you know you're sitting over here, or actually you're standing, so your office. There's not a lot of uh, set down desks for those of you that can see this stuff, which is pretty cool. But when you're sitting at that computer and that phone over there, when I mean, how do you embody courage? What is courage to you? Well, courage <laughs> to me is is about actions that reflect certain b- beliefs and, and, and being able to um, make decisions um, that may not always be the most popular. I get I I, uh, I I sometimes in today's world I might shy away from this, but I'll say it may not be <laughs> right. the most politically correct. Yeah. 
um, but but represent really what what you believe the values are that that you personally and ideally the business that you lead should represent. Um, I don't know how many decisions I'm making on a daily basis that I feel I need courage. But I think, you know, for me, the compass, it, it comes back to simple ideas like, you know, are we, are we creating uh, a company um, for all of the stakeholders that, it, it, that provides the fundamental core value that we're bringing right. to, to any relationship? Um, you know, one of the important things to me at this point in my career is, is what is it that we're creating? How am I impacting, um, certainly first, my staff's lives? Yep. How are we coming together to be better in simple ways, probably at times? Um, and then how are we as a company acting and recognizing ways that we are making our, our community yeah. better. So when you look at that, and I think, so courage, I, I appreciate all that, and is, but I think it's also in leadership is sometimes being courageous, maybe telling somebody on your team what they need to hear, not necessarily what they want to hear, right? Wouldn't you agree with that? Y yes. Um, I think that um, for when I got here, you know, the, the business of hockey for the St. Louis Blues has never been easy. Financially, um, we do not have the model that the NFL or our friends down the street that the Cardinals have. Um, many years, lots of, uh, quite honestly, lots of negative cash flow. Uh, at the same time, most of the time putting on a real on the ice a really strong product as witnessed by um, our playoff success now we're when i say playoff success obviously we're not satisfied sure. with where we've been the ultimate goal is to is to bring the stanley cup here and and that's a real driving force and the, and the great news is we continue to invest uh, in our team yeah. in meaningful ways um, um, to get there. Um, so let's talk about that Stanley Cup, right? So okay. a few people I told we're going to be having this interview today and they would say, when's the Stanley Cup coming, right? That's what all of St. Louis wants. So talk to us about the night that happens. You get to go in, you're holding the Stanley Cup. What's that going to mean for Chris Zimmerman and St. Louis? <laughs> Well, I put St. Louis first. Absolutely. Um, I can't tell you the number of people I've met, um, who, many of whom will first tell me about how wonderful um, the arena was with the smell and <laughs> uh, so, and, and just the, the or people who were there um, for those first few Stanley Cup finals we were in. And, and, and the conversation usually gets around to the point in where somewhere I'm told that the only thing really important <laughs> before I die um, is that the Blues win the Stanley Cup. And I always thank them for their support and encouragement and, and tell them that should help me sleep tonight. Um, <laughs> and there's no pressure. Right. Um, yeah, the people's fa uh, the other favorite um, statement is, when we have that Stanley Cup parade, it's going to be bigger <laughs> than anything we've yeah. ever done. And um, I do think um, 
so for fans, obviously, it's a huge deal. I think one of the things, and we saw it a few years ago, I saw it when we got to the conference finals. Playoffs, playoff hockey is a really special thing. It is incredibly intense, incredibly competitive, and with each round of success, you will feel it throughout the city. And I think the thing that um, I will be excited about when that happens is the pride that people will take because it's St. Louis. It's the St. Louis Blues. It's our team. It's something that no matter what we disagree in any part of the region or the area or anything else, it's just about us coming together. Yeah. And, and, and you'll go to the airport and you'll see more people um, going out of town with their blues gear on because they want to show the rest of the country we are the Stanley Cup champions. This is Brett Gilliland with Circuit of Success. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Circuit of Success. I'm Brett Gilliland, your host. Let's dive back into this week's guest. What risk are you happy you took? When you look back at your career, obviously you've done lots of things, but is there a defining moment or a, or a one risk that you said, man, I'm really glad I took that risk? Um... I don't. I, I don't think I do have a moment that I think of um, <clears throat> in terms of risk. Um, you know, it's again the fact that I have um, had such, a, I think, a diverse journey, and um, the types of opportunities that I've gotten. I don't really think of them as risk. I think that there were leaps, and and I think quite honestly, there are probably bigger leaps for me and my family, mm-hmm. um, uh, because I don't. I I would say, um, you know, I don't. I, I don't have regret in anything that I've done really professionally. Um, every piece, every experience, uh, you know, sort of builds on each yeah. other. We are lucky enough to have wonderful friendships um, throughout North America. We have been gypsies. We don't have the stability and the history in any one place in our yeah. life. And <clears throat> I wouldn't call it a risk, but it's been a trade-off. Sure. Big trade-off, yeah. So uh, let's talk about habits and rituals. I'm a big believer in, obviously, you're not just sitting in that chair be- just because. I mean, you have worked your tail off. You have taken risks you know, day in and day out. But what are the habits and rituals that are no miss for Chris Zimmerman? Day in and day out. I actually would tell you that I'm not um, I'm not a creature of habit. And um, uh, my assistant, Lisa, and I were talking about, you know, I had this, con- this question recently, the standard day. And I really don't. <laughs> I, I don't have a standard day. Um, part of it's probably also reflective of the business. Um, you know, we're, we're here a lot of nights. Yeah. And, um, you know, so today um, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm an early riser typically. I, I, I either play hockey a couple mornings oh. a week um, or go you to, play here or, or you or go go to, to the gym. You know, I, I actually, uh, um, 
I played here yesterday morning, 7 a.m. Um, tomorrow morning, I play with a group in Brentwood. And then Saturday, I've got another group. And actually, I think, so I may actually skate four times this nice. week. So I guess, you know, I, I certainly still have a love and passion for the game. Yeah. And that, and in general, um, I've got some, you know, trying to hold my body together, uh, <laughs> doing some other work. Um, but, yeah, sport participation uh, in hockey, working out uh, when I can, when the weather's good, playing golf, those things are all, those are my my key um, activity releases. In terms of um, my work, though, it is, I'm not a person uh, of routine. Um, you know, when I think about my long path, um, I think a lot of it is um, has been about sort of depth of um, depth of commitment mm -hmm. and engagement in in what I'm doing, and and in each each experience and each role that gets defined a little differently. Yep. Um, you know, I think it's interesting. Um, you know, at this point in my career, um, I think I am. Uh, I have a new um, enthusiasm um, to bring more focus back to coaching. Um, and in part, and I have some work to do because we've got a lot of things that we, I'm still pretty hands-on. Right. Not so much the operations, um, got a fantastic team, but you know, I'm you know, some of the bigger, broader projects, obviously, uh, I'm still quite involved uh, in uh, our work at the state where we're working to get um, additional support um, for our final major stage of renovations here. Um, we've had a massive project um, getting the St. Louis Community Ice Center built out in Maryland Heights. We've spent much of um, the four plus years I've been here working on that project and I'm happy to say that in September we're going to open a fantastic, I think what will be one of the best uh, community ice centers in the country. Yeah, Which will again attract a lot more youth hockey and, and all that stuff that brings more revenue and hotels and everything to St. Louis. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, we talk about in the circuit of success and you said these earlier, but it, it really is attitude, your belief system, your actions that you take every day that ultimately get your results. And it sounds like we're right in line with that. But talk to our listeners now that may be talking or thinking, how do you inspire others to go above and beyond? So you talk a lot about team, and there's a lot of listeners listening to this every day, and, and we all have teams. But how do we inspire them even when times aren't going well? Well, <laughs> we know all about that. We, we really struggle the first, um, first three months of the season, yeah. January 3rd. We're 31st in the league, and um, that was way below expectations based on uh, things that, that we had done with our team over the summer. Um, it, it's interesting in this specific business that, you know, in terms of the hockey business and the team, out on the ice, there there's a big investment. There's our core assets. Obviously, for my position, I'm by the time they're out there, and I'm not coaching them and I'm not managing them, any of those things, but they're going to have a massive impact on how several hundred people right. are going to go about their job the next day. Um, 
I found it really critical during that time period that how I showed up and how people saw me addressing what was real disappointment. We have the challenge that we're particularly our, our sales staff, they're front line with yeah. people who, who either aren't interested or are, are already customers who are, are unhappy. Um, you know, all of those things tough. are, are there's, there's an interesting, um, you know, sort of emotional cycle here within this business. And um, as leaders, how you show up is, is a critical piece yeah. of... of uh, of being um, really either a positive energy force or a negative one. That's right. And, um, you know, I think... Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. If you're showing up, you know, dragging your shoulders around and all bummed out, that's going to just go right down the line. Right. So that's a challenge, and yet you have to be honest. Yeah. And, and so um, I think, listen, every job I've been in, as we do employee surveys, as we think about how, how we get better, there's the number one thing always comes back to communication. Yep. And um, we certainly ha have, we and I have, have worked on building that and building our culture uh, here at the Blues. Um, I think that we've, we, we've seen and we have you know, our own data that says with our team, uh, we're making meaningful progress. And, um, and yet w we still have opportunities. Uh, I think creating an environment where your staff feels part of it, they feel engaged, they feel informed. Yep. Uh, and let me go beyond that. Not just they feel that way; they are that based on what we are, what are our authentic actions mm -hmm. to creating a place that people want to to be at, and they want to make a difference. We've got this great advantage of a product, sports, music, entertainment, that has its own appeal, like but it that. can still be a crappy workplace <laughs> right. if. If the environment and the leadership right. is not sensitive to yeah. to creating something that really builds off of that. Next question I always like to talk about are, are fears. I, I don't I don't have a ton of fears, but I think there's things as leaders and just as people in general we put in our mind. And oh, what if this happens? And what if that happens? But how many fears that you've put in your mind actually blew up to the magnitude you put them in your mind to be? I don't, I can't tell you right. that I'm very good at that if I'm supposed to be. No, I think um, your point is, or what I'm sensing right now, which is what every guest talks about is like none, right? I mean. Listen, we're, um, we're I, I get to come to work every day, work in sports, which is my personal lifelong passion, be right. around, you know, some of the best athletes and performers in the world. Um, I, I don't see what I, I mean. I'm incredibly fortunate. I'm blessed to have been given the opportunity to do this. Yeah. Like I have no reason around what we're doing. I work, you know, Tom Stillman, our chairman, our local ownership group, incredibly supportive. Um, 
I don't have any reason to have fears. Uh, you know, obviously in life, um, there's all sorts of other challenges that people have yeah. and, and health challenges and lack of opportunity. Those are things people should be afraid of. Yeah. I, there's no that's, reason. Yeah. That's great perspective. Great perspective. So best book, are you a re would you say, are you a reader, not a reader? Um, I got a lot of books. Uh, a lot of times that they they, sit, that, they, they sit next to my uh, bedside table, in part because I have a little bit of a sleep. It you know, like I I have a little bit of a sleep issue, yeah. so which so it's hard. That's probably because you don't turn it off, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know me You're too. Like, well. you, you, know me, me? you know me too well uh, after yeah. this short conversation. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I, and I think that's true. So talk about that a little bit if you can. I mean, I mean, how do you turn it off? Because I struggle with that, right? I mean, I'm even seeing a coach right now. It's like, how do you turn it off? When is enough enough? Because you know, I've got four kids. I'm very involved in their lives, but when is enough enough? And maybe we don't have the answer to that, but yeah, no, I'm well. Nobody should should look to me for guidance there. <laughs> so let me, let me say that because I, I don't turn it off well. I'm kind of uh, I'm on too much. Yeah, I'm actually um, looking now and, uh, and and sort of working with some people who are are pushing me just to find small windows yeah. to 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 disengage and. and um, you know some of the concepts of mindfulness, and yeah. and some of those are are certainly opportunities. Um, well, I, the mindfulness thing. If you don't, uh, I meditate. It's one of the things that's helped me from people mm -hmm. that I've learned from, and it has been a game changer for me. So, yeah, I think the other thing that for personally that I uh, believe in, and, and I've certainly over the last couple of years tried to bring more focus on, is just presence. Yeah. And, and particularly in our electronic world, yeah, and, and just um, making sure that the people I'm with and, and family, friends, events yeah. that I work, and, and I assure you, I have more opportunity on that <laughs> front as well. Yeah. Well, I, I will tell you just to vouch for that for you is is uh, you know we don't know each other that well, obviously, but you've been nothing but gracious with your time and and. You know, whether we're emailing back and forth, whatever it may be, it's just it's really neat to see somebody at your position that is as approachable as you are. I think that says a lot about your character and your values. So I just wanted you to know that. So uh, last few questions. I'm a big, big bucket list person, you know, kind of experiences. You've had some of the obviously the best experiences you can probably have in life and sports and entertainment and all that. But do you have something on your bucket list, whether that's with your wife and kids? What, what's on the top of yours? Well, um, my daughter's getting married uh, on Labor Day weekend this, uh, soon, so, which is this year. Um, so, again, sort of that experience and growing our family and how, um, how I experience it, engage, support, um, incredibly important to me. Um, uh, you know, the other, the other pieces for me are really about, you know, sort of, if you will, the next stages yeah. of my life. Um, no big, uh, and just making sure 
that I'm growing from um, what I've been able to do, what I've been able to learn, um, and how I take those things and make sure, um, going a little bit back to being present, um, making sure that the things that are important, I mean, some of this for me goes to, I have been so engaged and so deeply committed um, and I will continue to be, but I need to also do that with purpose and intent around um, things beyond yeah. my work life. So. And um, so. So if I have to, uh, if I had your daughter and your wife in here right now and I told them they had $100 they had to place, does dad cry when he walks her down the aisle or does he not cry? What are they going to say? Oh, um, I, without question. I, I, I would start crying probably <laughs> like, as right you now. asked right. that question. I mean, right. last night um, we had a, um, a great experience, we, um, which I'm, I'm really excited about. We uh, went and had our first dance lesson. Oh, wow. And, um, and I like to dance, and my wife and I have always liked to dance, but as she said, hey, we need some new moves. Right. And, and, We've um, got to bring them up to the 2019 yeah, level. Right? Yeah. yeah, and so, um, yeah, so I'm excited about that's very th- cool. that's going to be a really cool. fun experience. Very good. Well, uh, Chris, it's been phenomenal having you on the Circuit of Success. I really appreciate your time and your generosity. And, uh, you know, uh, LGB, let's go Blues. Let's Absolutely. get this uh, Stanley Cup Finals. Let's bring it to St. Louis. And uh, just, again, appreciate your passion for our city and what you're doing as a leader here in the town. It's been great. Yeah, thank you. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm. 